Analia here again, and we have a brief fundraising announcement. As you may or may not know, edX Global is a completely nonprofit organization that is run by volunteers. 100% of our donations go to student-led projects around the world, and it would help us tremendously if you donated even as little as $5. If you are in the spirit of giving during this holiday season, please send us a donation through PayPal or Venmo to edxglobalinc at gmail.com, spelled E-D-A-C-T-S-G-L-O-B-A-L-I-N-C at gmail.com. You can be provided with a tax-exempt ID number after your donation by requesting through the same email address. Thank you in advance for your donation, and happy holidays. We are also holding a popcorn fundraiser through Double Good. To order where your proceeds go to edX Global, use the website https colon backslash backslash popup.doublegood.com slash s slash O-V-I-L-O-G. And again, thank you for your support. Hello, you are listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. All right, you guys, you're in for a treat today. We have Catherine Cloward, who is a purposeful storyteller who earned national praise towards her award-winning Catherine the Grape affirmation series of books and music. Through her illustrated likeness of Catherine the Grape, she provides a treasure box filled with positive and affirming tools of love for children and adults to use together. An award-winning author, songwriter, and entrepreneur, Catherine is passionate about creating and sharing heart-centered, mindful media with positive and empowering messages for people of all ages to enjoy. She is on a mission to ripple love, compassion, and unity throughout the world. And I'm going to tell you, this is one of my favorites. Catherine, thanks so much for joining us today. You are a super impressive person with so many talents. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you became involved in music and in writing? Ah, very cool. Well, um, okay, I have to tell you, (laughs) I literally, I'm not kidding. Yesterday, yesterday I had a knock on my door, okay? There was a woman standing there with her mask on, an older woman, and she said, I saw your name. Are you Catherine? I had a student when I was in, she was a preschool teacher. She goes, I was a preschool teacher. I had a student named Catherine Cloward. And I said, that's me. And no, she went, I, said, what I said, what school? And she told me the school. And I said, I went there. And she's like, I said, that's me. I said, oh my gosh. And she said, but you had blonde hair. And I was like, I did. And she goes, and you had chubby cheeks. I was like, yep, still me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And so she had, she had seen that I was in the neighborhood and she just came and knocked and wanted to talk. And I got all teary. I'm a total crier. And it was just so amazing. And this is going to lead into something. (laughs) My mom had saved like my early education, like little progress reports. And she'd given them to me a little while ago. Like she was cleaning everything out. She's like, here's all your stuff. And on this progress report, when I was four years old, whoever the teacher was, which turned out to be her, you know, progress, it says in the little comments, Catherine um, enjoys playing in the kitchen and being the boss and play <laughs> and plays well with other kids. I was like, look at me all exercising my <laughs> lean in leadership skills when I was four years old. <laughs> but anyways, so here, wasn't that so neat? So this woman, she remembered I was one of her first students and um, those first few years. So she remembered a lot of us who were in that class. And I... And it was really special for me to attach back like four decades to 
to this wow. woman, you know, and she remembered, you know, my name, she recognized my name. And that just made me go, wow, isn't it incredible how we're so connected yeah. to each other? But anyway, when I was a kid, I was there. I, this energy is me. I've always been this really <laughs> expressive, big energy person. Love it. I was, but I was the youngest and I have three older brothers. So I had five people bossing me around mm. all the time. Hence why I transferred that skill to my playtime until I smoothed my edges about that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I had a really happy childhood. You know, we played outside, you know, and um, I always wanted to do what my brothers were doing. Um, like if they were playing street football, I wanted to play street football. Yeah. And they'd be like, you can be the cheerleader. I was like, I want to be the cheerleader. Right. I want to play football. Screw those you know? gender roles, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but the truth of my truth is that my room was this like imagination place for me. So in, in, I did have my own room because I was the only girl. And so I was like, I had, I just would talk. I I had, you know, this whole massive imagination and felt presence. And I would give speeches to my dolls and write songs for my dolls. And I would, I just felt very free alone with my imagination. Mm. Um, but my family wasn't like artistic. My, mm-hmm. my parents were in scouting and sports and that kind of stuff. So I would, that's of course where the trajectory of my life went. And I, but I always wanted to sing. And so if there was like an opportunity, I would try and, you know, and, um, I sang in choir and everything in school, but, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like I played sports. I did scouts. I um, a lot of the women that I played sports with as as a child um, were still friends all these years later. And so I just had a you know it was a special time and yeah. um, and it was happy you know so that's really cool. I, you know, and it's 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 great that you're that you're still connected with with a lot of your childhood friends. Um, and so how, how did your childhood years throughout your education um, contribute to you are, to who you are now? Uh, because you're, um, and, and we're going to talk about it um, later also, but how did this passion for others come out? Was it, was it cultivated when, when you were younger? Um, I would definitely say that my parents helped cultivate that they they demonstrated that in life. And, um, you know, my, my dad, you know, they were, they were very involved in scouting. You know, my, when I I have a different perspective as a grown woman, when I was a little girl, I was like, my dad's not paying attention to me. You know, I had a different Mm -hmm. perspective because he's involved in Boy Scouts all the time. Yeah. But the constantly volunteering time, helping other people, you know, character development stuff. Um, My parents were also, um, another project I just completed is I just wrote the memoir for a man in San Diego named Father Joe, who is an icon in San Diego. He helped so many people um, living, experiencing homelessness. And, but I met him as, as, a, as a baby, actually. Mm-hmm. But my mom was his secretary, and he worked, and the, where they worked in the very beginning of this massive development that has been built in San Diego, they worked out of a thrift store in downtown San Diego. That's where their office was. And my mom on the summers would take me to work. So I was like five, six years old, and she'd take me to work with her because she didn't want me to just hang out at the house. And so I saw compassion in action. Hmm. And, 
And I saw my parents always volunteering. It wasn't like a, like, hey, I'm volunteering. Look, everybody, I'm volunteering. You know, it was like, it was yeah. just like what you did. Yeah. So that was ingrained in me. It wasn't something. And because I was the youngest, I was always the tag along for all of my brother's volunteer stuff. You know, they were involved in Boy Scouting. If they had to raise money, I was there, you know, so I just, as a youngest child, you're an observer, you know, you see a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure, (laughs) right. So I'm sure a lot of that is, um, was, was what I saw and experienced, but it also is my nature. You know, there, I think that we also come into this life as, you know, with our own unique vibrancy and energy. And it's, it's, you know, it's what's been a constant with me. So um, I've been naturally um, magnetized to helping others. And, and my exposure when I was growing up in elementary school, I went to an inner city school. So I grew up in the suburbs, you know, suburb San Diego, but I spent kindergarten second through sixth not first, but second to sixth, at this inner city um, math science magnet school. So, and so um, my friends were from all walks. Like, I didn't know, like, class. I didn't know about, like, I mean, we were all just friends. Like, if you play tetherball, I play tetherball. We're friends. You know, you play foursquare, mm-hmm. I play foursquare. We're friends. So I didn't, I didn't, I was not exposed ever to, like, race separation or socioeconomic separate. I didn't know any of that Yeah. until I got to my junior high where yeah. I was like, uh, there was a, a very clear separation between how people hung out. Mm. Wow. And um, that's my, my observation. Yeah. But, um, and so when you read my Catherine the Great books, um, the characters, of course, Catherine the Great, that's me and the main character. Mm-hmm. But in my stories, in the illustrations that you see in the books, and then also I use the same illustrations for the videos that go with my music, you see children from all walks of life, um, different nationalities, different races, and also different abilities. You know, my nephew, or excuse me, my cousin um, is disabled, he's special needs. And so I've always been around just a a variety of different people. Mm -hmm. And so I... I bring all that to life because I wanted to see myself in books. And so I wanted to see myself in the story. And that's what I do to the best of my ability for all children. So you'll see a child with a walker. You'll see a child who's blind with a cane. You'll see a child, a few children in wheelchairs because this is their reality. This is their reality. This is our reality as a unified global community. Yeah. That's amazing. So you go by Catherine the Great, and this was um, envisioned based on your bio that you shared with us um, from your high school softball coach. I want you to talk a little bit about that, but I want you to also talk about when you decided, you know, I think I can do something with this tied in with my music and writing. Can you talk a little bit about those things? Sure, sure. Well, it was a complete, it was a complete, 180 of my life when I brought Catherine, when I started on Catherine the Great. Um, backing up, uh, just to, my, I was nicknamed Catherine the Great by my softball coach named Mr. P when I was about 11 years old. He nicknamed everybody. Like, it was his way of remembering like 120 girls' names every season, you know? Yep. Catherine the Great! 
surprised because I wore purple all the time. <laughs> so he's the only person who ever called me that. It wasn't like everyone called me mm. that. He was the only person who called me that. That's cute. But if I saw him around the, the lake by where I grew up, right, you know, right, hey, Catherine the Great, well into my adulthood, he'd be like, hey, Catherine the Great. <laughs> like, that's just what he called me. Yeah. So one day, uh, so I was in my career, I've always been a businesswoman, and I've um, always been in sales and marketing, and, um, you know, high-risk stuff. And my mom and I were eating lunch one day, and my mom said, I have, and she was so cute. My mom's a reader. She's always wanted to write. And she's like, Catherine, I have the greatest idea. And I was like, what? You know? And so she said, <laughs> I was like, tell me. And she said, um, I, I want to write a children's book. And the main character is named Catherine the Great. And I was like, that's me. You know? I was like, that's Aww. so great. So it was actually my mom's idea mm. to make Catherine the Great a children's book character. So, of course, like, I attached onto her idea. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, let's do it. And I'm a total, like, do it person. Like, yeah. like we're going to figure out how to make this happen. But um, my mom and I tried to write a few things at that time. This would have been, like, um, like two, this would have been right before the millennium. This would have been 99, mm-hmm. okay? So she had this idea around 99, like, 98, 99. And we tried to do a few things, but it just wasn't attaching and so, and then I was just starting in my career. I, you know, I was just starting my life as, a, as an, I was just starting to adult. Isn't that what they call it now? Adulting? Yes. I was mm-hmm. just adulting. And so it just kind of went over here on the back burner and we never talked about it ever again. It wasn't like it was this ongoing conversation. It was just shelved. Mm-hmm. And as time went on and I was proving and, um, and I always, you guys, I always wanted to sing. I always wanted to write songs and sing. And I was scared, scared, scared. I didn't believe in myself. I lacked confidence and I would, I conjure up some courage to go to like an open mic. I'd do it. Then I just like cave back in. I just didn't, I didn't have the confidence in myself. And, um, but then in business, I, I found myself, anything I truly, not just business, but even like in setting goals for like running a marathon or hitting president's club, like anything I really put my mind to do, I would achieve. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. so I kept proving to myself over and over in my adult life that if I set my mind to something and believed wholeheartedly in doing the work to achieve it, persevering through hardship, like just believed and and took action and I I proved to myself over and over and over again that I could achieve my goals and the one thing I was scared to do was sing I I wanted to just have an album that had my name on it and I was freaked out scared about it so that still stayed over here for a little while (laughs) but what was happening was is a lot of things were changing in my life I was a brand I was a newer mom and through my son, I was experiencing, like, who do I want my son to know me at, his mom as? And there were some things in my life that I just wasn't flowing with. And um, it was the recession of 2008, you know, and my company, um, my first company that I owned was, had done amazing sales, amazing things, and then the, I, the recession, right? So I just, I had, honestly, I just had this kind of, like, complete breaking of my life, business, my marriage, Everything just went, right? Because old Catherine couldn't move into the new realm I was, what, how I had been wasn't going to carry me into the next phase of my life. Yeah. So there was this complete and utter um, destruction, okay? 
and in the rubble, <laughs> I, I had always been hearing for over the years, Catherine the Great, Catherine the Great. It was always like there in my mind. Have you ever had that happen where it's like you have this like, okay. Mm-hmm. So you have oh, yeah. this, it's just there. Like I'd just be like waking up in the morning, Catherine the Great. You know, it was just there. <laughs> and so here I was at this like choice point moment of my life going, what's next for me? right? Like, do I, do I stay in my marriage? Do I go? Do I move on with this, with this company, which is, has always done really well, but I'm not like, I don't love it. Like I don't love selling other people's products and food. I, I just wasn't living mm. what I felt my, my life should be as me now. And as that, and about January, 2009, I started just like waking up in the first, the first thing I heard, like I heard it is, get up and start writing Catherine the Great, get up and start. I just had this like record playing in, in my awareness. And I was like, what's up with that? You know, like <laughs> it was just, and I was starting to learn to detach myself from some old beliefs and mindsets that weren't, that didn't agree with who I was becoming. And so I started taking chances with exploring new modalities of life, including that still small voice that's talking to me that may not be talking, you know, it's talking to me to get up and start writing. So I just, I just did. <laughs> I've never written before. And so that's where it all started, you know? And once I was in motion, once I started on the track, like once I, you know, I was telling somebody recently, I was like, you can't sail a boat if the boat is in the water. You know, you have to get in the water. Yeah. So that's what I did. And, um, and I first started in the book publishing side. So, I, and I decided to, you know, I'm a businesswoman, so I launched my own independent um, media company, so that I could own all the rights to wow. what I saw mm-hmm. in my mind. And what happened is, I share this for children in my book series too, about goal setting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is like, I saw the picture in my mind of what I was going to create. And it's like they took it away, right? And then it was like this dot to dot, like, okay, now fill in the dots. You know, it's like I, so that's what I've been doing. I've just mm-hmm. been kind of filling in the dots of this vision. And, and sure enough, I put my head down and I started writing songs and singing songs. And I put out some albums, both as Catherine the Grape and both as Catherine Cloward. And I'm fully like living my dream. I'm living my purpose. And um, I feel fulfilled. I'm a whole, like, if you think about the butterfly and the transformation of a butterfly, yeah. it's a complete liquefaction, like, completely liquefies mm-hmm. to transform, to become this brilliant new being. Yeah. And that's why I teach about that concept. That's why the butterfly is my logo. It's why, because truly, as we grow in this life, you know, that we make choices. And for us humans, our choice to transform, it's a choice to transform. And so, and that's Mm -hmm. what I did. I completely liquefied my life and became anew. And so that energy, that desire, that inner choice is what I bring forth in what I teach for children and adults. You know, that's what you're, what you're talking about is such a great, a great concept for kids, uh, be, you know, be, especially now. And I think it was, it was different from, from when I was younger, when we were told not to take risks that, okay, you know, just, just do this because the next year you're going to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that, you're going to be doing this. So, so our life was kind of planned throughout 
throughout school. Whereas if we, if, if we get kids to really think about what, what are your passions and how do you want to do it now? Um, cause you know, and, and then we could add all this other stuff to it because what, what, what I, what I heard is that even though you weren't being, um, that the business and marketing side really, you know, you, you weren't liking it. You were able to bring all of that knowledge into what, what your passion is. Um, and I, and, and, and I think we, as we, as people, and I think that's what I'm going, going through now is how do we connect our, our knowledge with our passion um, in order to do our passion? Yes. And I, and I want to be clear. I, I didn't necessarily feel like I was missing out before. Does this make sense? It Correct. wasn't like, like, like my energy before, my, what I was doing in my life before. I didn't, there came a point where I was like, this isn't working. But it wasn't like, when, looking back, I was kind of going, I thought I was doing things that I cared. I, I was doing things I cared about. So, but but there was definitely a point in my life, like what you're saying is, how do I how do I put it all together? And I was I was right. awakening to going. I think it was like Wayne Dyer. I had been exposed to his teachings, and he had said, "Don't let the music die inside of you." And I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want that little that little girl's dream to have an album with her name on it not happen correct and that and i didn't realize how much of a deep desire that was for me until i started really paying attention to like what is life-giving for me right like sometimes we we do things because we're like well this is what i'm supposed to do or okay i'm on this trajectory and you know now i've got a mortgage and i've got all these people feel people feel like they can't make risky decisions because they have you know and risky is let's be frank it's the, our biggest risks are time and money, money yeah. being the biggest, right? And so, um, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to get on the road and discover what could be. And that's what's so important, Fred, is that like, it's who we become when we make the choice to even try, right? And go like, what are my, pa-? like, I kind of like didn't know what I was truly passionate about. Does that make sense? Like, I was kind of like, what am I passionate about? And and then as I, as I tried different things, I realized I really love this. I love this aspect of what I'm doing. I'm good at this, but I, I don't want to do that anymore. And that's what happened with, mm-hmm. you know, with the, um, I ran a food company. I started my career in, in, um, in headhunting, which was great. I mean, I got like some serious Zig Ziglar sales experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like <laughs> but all of that has transferred over here. So when I say, when I, when I started Catherine the Grape and when I put out my first music, anything I've done, I've made the calls to get opportunities for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have energized the train because somebody has to, right? Like I, right. and I'm proud of myself. I have, fig- I have figured, I'm figuring out this independent media marketing, you know, this media business in both book publishing and music publishing that in an industry that's completely dominated (laughs) by some massive companies, you know, the media marketplace is dominated by the big six, right? There's six companies that that's what they call the big six. Big six owns basically so many subsidiaries, you know? I mean, my biggest competition is like Nickelodeon and Disney, like bring it, you know? (laughs) Jeez. 
but I'm doing something different. Yeah. Just like there's plenty of people who are doing wonderful things on this planet. Mm-hmm. I do not compare myself. I'm not trying to be them. I had to get in my, I had to go, this is Catherine the Great. And that's part of my becoming is I kind of, I've been becoming, I've been becoming me yeah. every step of the way. And, and that's what I like to teach my son. Like I was just driving with him. My son's 14 now. And like, where does time go? And, and I talked to him about this big world, <laughs> like that I want him to see the world. Because when you see the world, you get exposure. I mean, you're in Germany, like you get exposure yeah. to, to how, how small we really are, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I grew up in America with American, I mean, America is a big continent. <laughs> so just to, many people haven't even seen every state in America, yeah. you know, and, and so I've been fortunate to be able to travel in the world. And I want my son to have that so he can have a, a global perspective mm-hmm. of, which is where I think a lot of compassion comes from is when you can understand that there are other people who have other faiths, other beliefs, who have families and, and have had adversity that allows us to have a more compassionate heart. And, um, and that's what I'm trying to instill in my son versus the, you're going to go to school and you're going to go to college. You know, I don't want that for him unless he wants it for himself, you know? It sounds like your philosophy is actually lived out in your everyday. And I, I like hearing your story, how you've kind of had this journey along the way. And it's just kind of beautiful to see it evolve and then, you know, hear you talk about it and then see you, you know, putting it into practice every day. And then even the way that you talked about like your biggest competitors um, and that you're not comparing yourself because you're on your own journey. And that's um, really a really incredible thing. I love that. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you teach through your music, visual, audio, reading and writing, and then kinesthetic and then how you do that? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, I didn't even know I was doing this, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's this beautiful friend of mine named, I was just like doing what I connected to as a kid, right? But this wonderful woman who helps me with some stuff, her name's Denise Yosef. She got in touch with me. She's like, Catherine, did you know that you're doing this like bark learning style thing? And I was like, I am. And Mm. so I looked it up and I was like, I totally am doing that, you know, but I don't, you know, whatever. So this, this learning style, like, so why, why I bring that up is I'll take a concept. Um, I'm a, I was a visual learner when I was a kid. Like if you, if you could paint the picture for me, I could see it in my mind. If I could, if I could learn something through song, it's stuck in my head better. When I had to only read a textbook, I was like, I, I couldn't do it. It wasn't, I needed I really did need multiple modalities of learning for myself, which would be visual and audio, mm-hmm. uh, um, auditory. So in Catherine the Grape, that's effectively what I have been building. And, you know, I do all this independently. So it's like, you know, I can, I'll always have like this pipeline of like, this is what's coming next. But what I've effectively created, which I'm so proud of, is, is like that these bo- there's books and then the songs that I write, like, so the concepts that I teach in a book, I also teach in a song and then the song becomes also a video and then it, the shows we have dances to it. So I will drive home the same message over and over through different 
ways, not purposefully, mm -hmm. just just because that's how I felt like I wanted to learn, you know, and because I'm a musician, because I'm a writer, and and I just, uh, you know, it took me a long time to actually say those two things and yeah. what I am. Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. Like, it took me a long time to go like, well, who? what am I now, you know? So for me to say, like, I'm a songwriter, mm -hmm. I'm an author, you know? I didn't know how to, like, say who, say those things, you know? But anyways, that's beside the point. So, um, but children, if we think about ourselves, right, is a lot of times we have, um, like, put it, let's put it into the adult thing. Because what I've ultimately done, you guys, is I've taken these big life concepts and I've simplified them down. And Albert Einstein talked about, he was quoted as saying, like, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't explain it yourself. You don't understand it yourself. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it. Mm -hmm. So the ultimate lesson for me hasn't been to write these self-help books for adults, which is a massive market, right? Mm -hmm. Like you go into the self-help section of, of Amazon or Barnes and Noble, it's massive with people wanting to do business, um, self-help personal journey stuff, you know, business tools, all this stuff. Everybody has these kind of different concepts. But at the end of the day, um, and that's what happened with me, is that I was trying to, like, rediscover myself. I was trying to heal some wounds that I had, some hurt, some pain in my heart. And so I, of course, was looking through. I read, like, every self-help book, you know, every, mm -hmm. you know, transformation, life transformation book. At the same time, I didn't see anything like that concentrated for kids. And I thought, gosh, as I was developing these tools of self-love, these tools of like, like I am enough, the tools of affirmation, affirmations mm -hmm. helped me. And I wanted my son to have that. Yeah. So that's where it all kind of started. So, um, so like the there are seven core affirmations just because that's what I was learning. I was learning like, I was learning that I was magical, mm -hmm. right? Which is ultimately about like our power to manifest. Yeah. You know, that I have this magic inside of me that I can manifest anything. So, of course, I don't use manifest for kids, you know, yeah. not yet, you know, but I, I <laughs> teach it in, in a different way. And so kind of I've been putting together, you know, like dot to dot, putting all these pieces together and it's been fun. Right. And so and this series has been becoming, too. Right. It's like Catherine the Grape is growing as I'm growing. I didn't originally plan on Catherine the Grape to be a, an aged up series. So I started out with kind of more word heavy books. Okay. Kind of like that, that between traditional illustrated young book and then chapter book. That's where I fit with these kind of word heavy books. But then I realized I need most of my fan base, like who would show up to my shows were little kids because they're out of, they're not at school, you know? And so a lot of the children who were loving my music were, you know, three, four years old, five years old. And so I was like, I need to write books for them. So I made Catherine the Grape younger. And so, so, so what's cool is, is as Catherine the Grape, everyone's grown, we're growing together. Mm -hmm. So little kids and then up to adults. Kind of got off on a tangent there, but no, no, that's we love tangents. <laughs> yeah, no, that no, that's um, I, I think what you're what you're hitting on is you what a lot of educators really don't understand is that if I'm a third grade teacher, I'm just concerned about third grade. Um, I'm not concerned about their lives in fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Um, right. And I think what you're what you're hitting on is you're 
taking that child who they are now, but then you also understand like, you know, later on, these questions might be coming up. So let's address them um, as Catherine the Great. Um, right. and, and I think that's, that's, that, that's wonderful. Um, you know, so, and, and you were, and you were talking a little bit about it. What are some, what are some things that you're, you know, if you, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people who aren't quote unquote in the field of education, but they're doing a lot of marvelous things. They don't say, well, I'm not a teacher, so I don't know how to talk about this. But um, obviously you understand that, that you are a teacher also uh, because that's what you're doing. What are some, what are some takeaways that, that you've learned um, about you as a teacher, but then also you as a learner? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I learned that I think across the board in life that we need to be listening to the people that we are teaching, right? Or that, that, that we're aligned with. I, I don't feel, I feel like I help support what education teachers are doing, what parents are doing. Like um, the lessons that I'm sharing, they're not revolutionary. It's not like nobody has ever not talked about what I talk about. I just do it in a unique way that some kids can attach to and go, I get that. Yeah. And that, that it, it, it's what a parent, like I've had a few parents say, Catherine, I've been talking to my kid about fill in the blank. But when they read your book or they heard your song, like Catherine the Grape said, you know, mm. and, and I'm like, I'm here just to help. But I think, um, I think that, you know, I can only, I always come from the place of like, how do I feel? Because I feel the way that I feel as an adult woman, and I felt these feelings as a kid, I felt as a child misunderstood. I felt as a child not heard, not seen, right? I mean, at the dinner table in my family, I was, I very rarely talked, okay? I very rarely had the stage because I had three older brothers and my parents, and this was just the dynamic in the family. So what did I grow up to be? <laughs> A writer, you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing my whole life, but I learned, um, I learned that children, they tell us how they feel. We as adults need to be listening and paying attention to their feelings that we can. And I think feelings have a lot to do with it. Everybody's gotten so like we, we, especially American culture, I mean, just culture, very cerebral, but so much of our life comes down to how do I feel about myself? in this circumstance. And so I have, I'm laser focused on wanting to help people have tools to express themselves and how they're feeling. Um, And I've been doing this for a long time. One of my sister-in-laws is is an elementary educator. She's like, Catherine, you're totally doing social emotional learning. This was Mm -hmm. a few years ago. And I was like, she goes, you, you totally do social emotional learning. Like you, like you need to start talking about this. I was like, what? I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I've never even heard of that. So here I've created an entire multi-layered book series that's about social emotional learning for kids from a child's perspective, right? Yeah. So they're learning. Children aren't seeing it from like, hi, I'm the teacher. I'm a grown p- person and I'm talking to you or I'm, a, I'm coming from the clinical point of view, which is what, what's happening a lot right now. Yeah. Is, hey, we are the social emotional experts. We are the experts on this and we've written these, these w- workbooks 
And that's great, right? I'm not, I'm not touting on that. I'm just saying, but our kids, our children see them, want to see themselves in the stories and the lessons that they're learning. And so to come from a place of, of, of going, here's this, here's this character that looks like you, that's feeling like you. So what, so that has mattered to me. And I've learned that through my son, to be totally frank, my son has been my greatest teacher. Hmm. And because he, one time, I'll never forget one time I was so busy because I just, you know, I, I was, I was working and he said something like, mommy, you're not, you're not listening to me. And I said, I hear you. And he said, I'll never forget. He was like five. He said, you might, you might hear me, but you're not listening. And I was Whoa. like, yeah. And yeah. so right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have to really listen to what our children are saying mm-hmm. and then not have this fill in the blank you know, okay, this is how we respond to that, right? Like, people will tell you what they need if we listen. This is what the problem we have in adult relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Is you got two people going like, this is what I need, this is what I need, but no one's listening to each other. Right. So most of what I teach children is I'm trying to help keep kids out of therapy, you know, in their adulthood, I guess, in a way. It's like, can we help people express themselves, feel Mm -hmm. good about themselves in a time where there's so much uncertainty, um, that matters to me. So I think as far as being a, um, I am learning by listening to what children say to me, you know, what they, what they say to me, you know, I always get down on their level. Every path on the grape live show, kids want to come up and tell me all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I kneel down and I'm eye to eye with them. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I don't talk in like a baby tie. I mean, this is, this is Catherine, whether yeah. I'm Catherine the Grape or Catherine. Um, but as, a, as um, but I think the listening and paying attention, it's a, it's a tool that we need both as a teacher and a learner. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. You have a song, She Roared, and as a tribute to women. What was the inspiration for that, and how long did it take you to write it? And then have you had any reactions to it? I have. Okay, so, <laughs> so here's the deal. Like, I have so, like, my creative mind is firing on, like, all the time, okay? Mm-hmm. So I have to tell you, there was a few times in my creative, in my life, where people were like, like, because I have, it's not like, this is not the single lane that I'm in, right? I, I, my mind is creative. I write for children. I also write, you know, Catherine Cloward music, which is my more vulnerable music. I write for other people. So this is what was going down, <laughs> is, um... I wrote the whole Catholic, I'm focused on Catherine the Great, writing for some other people. And then during, kind of before COVID, but also during COVID, like I was inspired with wanting to write some more Catherine Cloward music without knowing what I was going to do with it. I didn't know if I was going to pitch it for other singers to take, which is what a lot of songwriters do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was inspired during COVID to write what came about to be the song called She Roared. And, um, and really it was just about this fierce love and protection because it's what was going on in my personal life. Mm -hmm. Right. So my Catherine Cloward music is usually this vulnerable, like lyrical journaling that I do. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's always the thing. Like if you want to know Catherine, like outside, so eventually you guys, you know how I said the layers is it's going to be little kids. And then the next layer is going to be middle grade kids, like middle grade Catherine lessons and then adults. But my, 
So that's a Catherine Cloward song that I just released in December. I had no plans to release it. I wasn't going to do any Catherine Cloward music well into a few of these other projects are done. And I just was like, I want to get this song out. And I just feel like, um, so those kind of songs for Catherine Cloward music, I write them from my own personal awareness and healing. And I was going through a time where I was feeling misunderstood about some things in my life. And I was tired of it. <laughs> That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, I was tired of it. And uh, and like some patterns that had repeated that I was tired of. And so this roar came out of me is what, it, what was happening. And so I wrote that song. And I decided to release it because I think that there um, I'm a champion for everybody, right? You know, I work with a lot of men. I grew up with boys. I mean, I'm, I'm raising a son. So um, I champion for all people. Yet I do feel that um, as a woman, I mean, I've been a woman in business for 23 years, okay? I've always been a minority. I've mm-hmm. always been somebody who had to make sure I framed my words right, where if I got angry with a, with a vendor who didn't fall, fulfill their order, didn't mm-hmm. get the truck there on time, and then one of my business partners had the same tone of voice, he was respected, I was a B-I-T-C-H, you know? So, yeah. so there, I've, but I never focus on this. I never, ever, ever, ever play, I never talk about that kind of stuff because it's, it's irrelevant other than, Women who rise up to take care of responsibility or women who have, you know, when we reach the end of our rope and we just, we cry or we roar, then all of a sudden it's like, why, why can't you talk differently? Like, why are you so emotional? Why are you aggressive? And I'm t- like, okay, sometimes it's called for, but, but the truth of who I am and the truth of so many people is that, you know, sometimes we're allowed to come to the end of our rope and go, oh, I've lost it. So just like our kids, when our kids are having a tantrum, it's not like, go to your room, you're ridiculous, I can't stand you, right? Right. The, the, the tantrum, the crying, the tears, is the pain they feel inside. So for us as adults to be able to, to help children who are in pain, who are articulating that and expressing that in multiple different ways, we adults do the same thing. Adults do the same thing, whether that's through inclusion, like, or like um, going inward, addiction, anger, all sorts of different behaviors that we manifest as adults often are just the root of pain. Mm-hmm. And so she roared, truly came out of some pain that I was experiencing. And, um, and, and that's where it came from. Yet, I allowed it to be, I wanted it to not be like a Catherine on the, on the video. I actually see it as this like dance song. Like I want like jazzercise ladies to be like, oh, she like <laughs> so I'm totally pitching the jazzercise people. Yo, 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 I'm coming for you. Isn't this fun? Like a little jazzercise? But, um, or, you know, something like that. Like, like TikTok, TikTok video for yeah. women over 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so fun. But, um, but I think, but. But then I truly was like, I want to see some imagery of women who really stepped up to the plate, you know, especially in the last year where, where men did too. It's not, I mean, we can, I can, we can shine a light on women without taking anything away from, from, um, you know, women identified away from anything from others. And so I think a lot of women 
stepped up to the plate, you know, women who are homeschooling and running, you know, they're, they're homeschooling, they're, they're ordering the groceries in, they're cleaning the house, they're doing their own job. Like there's, there was a lot of roles that, that people were doing. And I wanted to focus on highlighting some of the inspirational women in everyday life. And that's why I came up with the She Roared tribute video. So that we can see ourselves as just like in my books, we see ourselves in those pictures. Yeah. You know, and I, and I really, when, when, when I was watching it, um, I got inspired. And, and, and I think that's, that's one of the problems that I, I think are, or not, not our problem as society, but there's, but there's a pocket of society that has a problem with it. Um, that, you know, who are these women and what are they, and, you know, oh, she's, you know, since, um, there's, there, there's always some excuse if there's a woman in power that, oh, well, they got there because of this or this or, or, or this. And, it, and it's never been just because of work or just because of who they are. Um, really? there's, there's, there's always something else and there's always some excuse for it. And so when I was watching your, your video, I was like, man, this is just, you know, this is just good. You know, this is just how, how, how I think anybody could be inspired by it. Um, you know, and, and I think once we get past that point, then we'll start to see multiple changes or many more. Um, so um, as a man, thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, and I love, you know, and what we're also experiencing is, is mindful men, you know, I, some of my friends' husbands are like, I love my friends' husbands almost more than I love my friends. Like, I was like, I just want to hang around with like, because I just, um, I was even telling my girlfriends this recently, because they just, their husbands are um, these really mindful, awake, aware men who empower, who, who are, you know, who are aligned with that, as well as that we're aligned. Women have a responsibility too. It's not like, get on board with us. I respect men. I, I, you know, men identified. Like I work with, I've always had tremendous, I actually work very well with men. And um, so we have a responsibility. And if we want respect, we have to, it has to be a mutual thing, right? But yeah, I think you touched on something really important, Fred. Like, you know, I, I'm a thoroughbred. I never stop. Like my energy is to go, 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 go. I'm not, I don't have anything to prove. I just constantly have so much creative stuff happening that I need to get it down, like mm-hmm. down the channel. And this is just how I've always been. And, um, and I celebrate that now instead of contain it. And yeah, Catherine, and I, I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you feel the need to caveat and justify, I'm a champion yeah. of all people. I, I yeah. respect yeah. men. But, like, men don't say that when they're championing other men. So, like, at, when we become, you know, equal and, you know, truly a feminist society, and feminist doesn't mean we're pro-only women. It means we're pro-equality, okay. right? Yeah, you're right. Oh, my gosh, I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we truly are right? a feminist society, though, like, we don't have to caveat, like, I'm pro-all people. Like, you can still say Thank I'm you. championing uh, this woman who is strong and independent and, like, successful, and that's it. You don't have to say... But I also like men. <laughs> I know, oh my gosh, I need to 
hear that. Thank you, <laughs> You know, welcome. Fred, you, you, you hit on something that's been hard for me is that um, I remember like a while ago, this was a few years back, somebody was like, well, you know, Catherine only gets that because she, they said this, like they don't even know me. They're like, she has money. And I was like, I don't have money. There's no like tree that's going to come. <laughs> yeah. like, I have earned, I have earned anything that yeah. I've ever had. I've earned it. Like my parents, I paid for my own education. Mm-hmm. I, I've earned it. And so I don't, so what I'm saying is, is we don't know what's going on in people's lives. Yeah. Like uh, what takes, what, what it takes for different people to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you straight up, most of the time, the people who persevere, year after year after year are people who, who have learned how to just work. Yep. Right. Right. And, and that's what I learned. My parents instilled in me a a real um, strong work ethic. I did chores. I can, I can trace everything back to childhood chores. Mm -hmm. Like my mom was like, these are the chores. Like it was equal, you know, like, you know, six year old Catherine was doing the same chores as, you know, Mm -hmm. my 14 year old brother. Like it was on this chart, but there was, it taught me how to get my responsibilities done. Childhood chores taught me to do it right the first time because one of my brothers who was going to ha- do that chore the next time mm-hmm. was like, you better be sweeping up that backyard good, Catherine, or you know, I don't want to have to do it. So I learned I learned how to work, yeah. right? And so when somebody's like, Catherine, you hustle all the time, I was like, I do, but like I've always done that. Mm-hmm. It's just that my life is more now exposed in the public where, where the first you know, what, 12 years of my career, I worked in business to business. So there was no need for anything I do to be out in the public. The thing that's happening now is I'm, I'm becoming myself. I'm becoming yeah. Catherine the Grape. I'm becoming exposed, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, to you. Like, hey, and so I've gotten more, more and more comfortable with that because I'm naturally an introvert. It's not my natural nature to be like, this is what I'm doing today. This is what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm learning to be like, what's comfortable and safe for me? And what what's what feels most authentic and um, sacred to me? Yeah, and I do that, you know. But I think that um, a lot of women, you know, I think that's you just have. To, I mean, I I'm like I'd have to journal about this later because <laughs> it's true. It, Good. It, I, I, I got really, I got, I needed, I needed to hear that because mm-hmm. there's all sorts of interesting controversy happening in children's music right now, and I'm seeing her going like, I have a new album coming out. Do I have to speak to that? Like. I don't think I need to speak to that. Like mm-hmm. that isn't the energy behind what I'm doing. Yeah. So, you know, I don't need to speak to that. And I needed to hear what you said, Malia, because that helped me go, I don't need to, I don't need to justify right. that I right. am inclusive mm-hmm. to be able to, to effectively share my heart and yeah. why I do what I do. So thank you. You're I welcome. needed that. I'm glad. <laughs> so then let's so then let's let's talk about your your album as Catherine the Grape coming out on is it February 22nd? It is. Yes. Um, so tell us what this is and your inspiration. Okay, cool. So um, I, the, the, um, I've already put out two albums. I put out the Cap and the Grape, We're All in This Together album. That was in 2016. And, um, and then in 2020, just last January, I put out a Let's Sing Together album, which was all songs that were like the cover songs of the nursery rhymes that kids know. The reason I did that album is I'm a writer. I don't usually write, you know, do cover songs. But the thing was, is that every time I was doing live music shows, the, if I, if I 
threw in, you know, you are my sunshine, the place went bonkers, you know, <laughs> like grandparents singing, everybody was singing. Yeah. So I recorded that album because I'm like, if the Wiggles have you are my sunshine and Disney, whatever has you are my sunshine, I want to introduce Catherine the Grape to children at the same time, right? Like I want Catherine the Grape, the, the voice of me that children can get to understand, to know me in Mary Had a Little Lamb or whatever. So um, so I was really itching to do another um, original album. And so I wrote what ended up being the 10 songs on this album. I wrote them like hotcakes. Like I just was like, and some of them attached to the um, uh, book series, of course. And, um, and so I cover topics like choosing like choosing kindness as I have it right here my choosing mm-hmm. kindness book and I was originally actually a song so I just get inspired by everyday things um I wrote a song called it's okay to cry I was in, I was inspired to write that song actually for a few years because I'm raising a son yeah and um I remember when he was just a baby in the baby bajorn we were at like a birthday party and this dad kid son was crying and the dad was like stop crying boys don't cry and I was like whoa yes and that's still that's still you know that's a generational thing that we need to break that's a cycle that needs to get broken and so um so my son I mean my son wasn't raised that way and so I mean he he was like well into elementary school and still like mom my feelings hurt you know and he would just tell me I was like all right like I you know um uh, but also I talk about happy tears in that, in that, um, in that book, because I was doing a, an event at a, um, at an after-school program for children with, uh, special needs and disabilities, and they just wanted to do a dance party, right? And so, like, although I came with my acoustic guitar, next thing you know, we just blasted the radio and did this, like, full-on dance party for, like, a half an hour. It was rad. It was actually pretty rad. And so, um, and then afterwards, they gave me this banner that said, thank you, Catherine the Great. And it, like, made me teary, you know? Like, mm. I just started tearing. So one of the, the boys who was there, he said, Catherine the Great, why are you crying? It's not sad. And I was like, of course, to him, like, he was kind of like, why are you crying? Like, to him, you only cry when you're sad. And so I said, um, because I have happy tears. Sometimes when I'm happy, I have tears come in my eyes. So I teach that as well. So um, anyways, 10 songs. They're all upbeat. And I'm really proud of them. There's um, a song called I Feel um, um, I'm Happy Being Me. Talk to me. I already had that one. I feel good um, about myself. I feel good about myself. Like, I feel good. I feel good. So I wanted, like, so I wanted everything to be this full-on. Most of the songs have a real cool dance vibe. Lots of layers of vocals. We did all of the vocals in COVID. Like, I was like, Leonard can you record vocals at home? And he's like, yes. And I was like, sweet. And I said, okay. So I'm going to send So we did everything, all the vocals we did, we recorded That's cool. during COVID. So it was a real wow. creative completion of this project because we recorded all, we had all the music laid down and then COVID shut everything down. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to record vocals and I got to get all these layers. And so it's pretty rad. I'm, I'm really proud of the album. And um, I think children are going to love it and uh, adults too. I was really hoping you were going to give us like 
a sample of your singing in this today. So I'm glad that you just did that for us. <laughs> okay. Listen, I was on a podcast a little while back and she was, she, I didn't know it, but she was like, well, you, um, Catherine's going to sing them, you know, today. And I was all, I am like, I was like, <laughs> on the so spot. I like I, so anyways, I did prepare to share a little bit of choosing kindness with you. If you want me to play that for you, I would, I would love to, if you want okay. to, for sure. Okay, cool. So since it's not on video, hold on. She's got a purple guitar and she's wearing a purple shirt. I am. Yes. Isn't it a blouse? <laughs> I know. No, it's like it's like my Adidas. Okay, so legit. I have a lot of purple stuff. And um, this is my, like, I can go for a run after this. Okay. Oh, awesome. Okay, so choosing kindness. So let's take choosing kindness, for example, is, um, you know, we have all this, this um, information around, like, kindness month is usually October and lots of focus on kindness. And, um, and that's great and stuff. Um, but what I wanted, to, what I'm really passionate about helping everybody know is that, you know, the, it's always our choice. It's our choice to, I teach in my kindness confetti book. It's the choice to throw mean mud balls. It's the choice to throw kindness confetti. It is our choice and it's our choice alone. And so to instill in children, in all people from a very, very, you know, early age, that, um, you know, everything I do is for parents and adults too, because, you know, who's listening to kids' music in the car, right? So yeah. the, the message is absorbing purposefully mm-hmm. to parents and teachers and um, grandparents. But um, so anyway, this is Choosing Kindness. So um, I write all my songs on my purple guitar. <laughs> I write them all acoustic. And then on this album, this entire album, I worked with a gentleman named um, Daniel Fritz. Um, and he uh, co-produced the album with me and laid down a bunch of the music um, and helped do all the, and did all the mixing and mastering and everything all during COVID from his wow. home studio. It's pretty rad. That's really cool. Yeah. So this is the acoustic version of it. Okay. Words can be like swords that hurt our feelings. Words can be like doors that open to understanding. So let's use our words to be kind to ourselves and others all the time. Let's say kind words. Let's sing kind thoughts. Let's do kind things. That's what choosing kindness means. Thoughts can be like weeds that spread negativity. Thoughts can be like water that streams positivity. So let's think thoughts that are kind about ourselves and others all the time. Let's say kind words. Let's think kind thoughts. Let's do kind things. That's what choosing kindness means. What we choose to do in our lives matters greatly. 
Let's choose to do kind things daily. Sing along, here we go. Let's say kind words. <laughs> Let's sing kind thoughts. Let's do kind things. That's what choosing kindness means. One more time. Let's say kind words. Let's think kind thoughts. Let's do kind things. That's what choosing kindness means. That's what choosing kindness means. Yay. That was wonderful. I love that. Thank you. Such a powerful, beautiful message. Be, you know, because you're telling kids, well, everyone, you know, that our that our thoughts are our actions. Truly, and self kindness. That's why in that lyrics yeah. I say to ourselves and others. You know, yeah. we're not really we're not like self kindness is so important. I mean, and I was yes. learning that as an adult. Is I mean, we learn in the four agreements like use our words impeccably. And what mm -hmm. that means is say, not just say what's honest, but we use our words to say kind things about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And Correct. so how, how we speak of ourselves, you know, even just about our bodies, you know, how often are we self-deprecating with our figure or, yeah. you know, like in Zoom calls, I'm noticing like, wow, dang, I got some dark circles, you know, <laughs> you know, we're learning all, but, yeah. but how can I say wonderful, kind things about myself? And I didn't even know how often I would self-deprecate until one of my wonderfully mindful friends, you know, started helping point it out to me. And so I, there was a switch of my own self-kindness. Mm -hmm. And I want that for our children, right? Because the more empowered we are to love ourselves because everything is on the inside. That's why I teach about rippling love. It's like we, we have to have it on the inside in order for us to provide it yeah. to others on the outside. Very what true. we've been taught a lot in life is show everybody that you're kind. Show everybody that you're doing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but like like we talked about in the very beginning, volunteering, there was no like award for volunteering when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like we just did it. Yeah. Like it's just we just did it, yeah. you know, it was just like, it's just how we live, how I was raised. And so, um, but that, so that helped that, that is ingrained in me. Uh, and so my hope is to ingrain and to, to instill all these wonderful beings up with so much self love that we can walk around the planet being understanding and kind and compassionate to each other. The reason we have so much conflict is we we aren't listening to each other. We're not understanding each other, and and we're speaking over people all the time with our own beliefs, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, so to understand that we are not the superior of all superiors all the time, which is what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with people who literally think they are like morally superior than other people, mm -hmm. and we have a tremendous amount of conflict right now. Yeah. It's incredible, right? And so. I'm not go like I don't need to go into the political. I'm not. I'm not a politician. I don't need to go into the political realm. Mm -hmm. I go into the personal accountability realm. That's yeah. where I'm at, right? Mm -hmm. And and that it matters to me is helping people go. Am I making a choice that feels good? Do I feel good about myself on the inside, doing this thing, yeah. right? 
saying these words. What you are saying reminded me of something a friend of mine said that he was, you know, practicing himself and he was saying, I'm working on, um, you know, maintaining my thoughts because your thoughts become your words and your words become your actions. And so it starts inside with being, like you said, think kind thoughts in your song. And that's one of the things that he said that's kind of stuck with me for years because um, you know, we kind of tend to just dismiss our thoughts and say, well, we can't control our thoughts, but really we can. And it's, you know, it's Absolutely. a practice. And, and I think that that's a really beautiful message that you, you have in that song as well. Thank you. you know, and, and I think this, this, this runs into, into the next question. When, when you were writing about your bio, I, um, you were, you were mentioning about, um, about an upcoming album that you produced and wrote with Michelle Hopkins. Can you, can you share who, who she is and what, sure. what, and what this project is? Sure. So um, Michelle Hopkins, she is 16 right now. She'll be turning 17 the day her album comes out, which is pretty rad. Um, Michelle Hopkins is this vibrant, smart, um, determined uh, teenager. And she was born with a rare disease called MPS, um, which stands for mono, I hope I say it right, monosaccharidosis. I might be saying that wrong. Um, but I met Michelle originally a few years ago um, when a, a friend of mine named Fran, who is friends with Michelle's mom, Fran reached out to me and said, hey, they're doing this international MPS symposium in San Diego. Can you help? Can you help? You know, can you help enter? Like, they need help with um, the entertainment for the children. So I was like, okay, well, just put me in touch. So I just, and I had already been doing a lot of work with um, different charities that, um, you know, if it's, if it feels like a yes, it's a yes, a hundred percent for me. You yeah. know, I've written some. You know, it's like I'm not a halfway in. I'm like I'm all in. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I've written songs for Children's Hospital for the. Celebration of Champions, I wrote their theme song, Children Who Have Cancer or, or Coming It or Children Who, you know, anyways. And I did that because one of my best girlfriends, Jenny, who I mentioned earlier, her daughter had cancer at 18, 18 months. And so I just, it's kind of like different people are like, Catherine, can you lend your energy to this? And I'm like, I'm in, right? So that's how I got involved with Children's Hospital and, um, and then um, some other programs I've worked with, but then Fran reached out to me. And so I got educated about rare disease through talking to Michelle's mom and then through the layers of their organization, National MPS Society. So what, what it ended up being is I was, I was brought in to do some entertainment for kids. And then I was brought, and then I was like, well, I can do the entertainment for the adults too, which is so rad, right? Like, I'll be like, on Saturday, I'm going to be Catherine the Great for the kids, but yo, at this, at, we're going to have my full band here singing, you know, rock into like, I won't back down on, you know, your, at your um, cocktail event. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I, I got on board. But in those months, I, again, just, you know, this, this like waking, like the way the message comes to me, it just comes to my, it just comes to me. And I woke up one day going, write a theme song for them. So I reached out to the president of the organization and I said, I'm kind of feeling like, do you guys want to have like a, a song that helps represent your organization? I can do that, have it ready for the symposium. So I wrote this song called um, Heroes, which we just recorded for Michelle's album, which is going to actually be called We Are Heroes. 
And so I did, so I wrote this song and we recorded it. And I had all these kids in San Diego come into the studio and help with this song. And Michelle was there and, you know, everyone felt very purposeful helping with this project, you know, that they came, whatever brought them on board with wanting to help, their hearts opened in helping. And that's what happens, right? That is, that is the, the hope is that the more exposure we have to people who, uh, to people and life circumstances that we may not have, it may not be impacting us directly or so we think it's not impacting us directly. Um, but we are all so connected. And so to have the opportunity of awareness is how we impact change. And so, um, so we did this whole project. And then again, I woke up one day and it was like, you know, Michelle loves to sing. And um, so I woke up and I was like, it was like do an album with Michelle. So I reached out to her parents and I was like, what do you guys think about this idea? You know, and, um, and of course, Michelle was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know? And so, um, so we just kind of like got, we got in the water together and started, you know, moving forward. And um, so I worked with Michelle. They live in Long Beach, which is a few hours away from San Diego. So um, Michelle and I wrote a bunch. I would go up to her house and you know, I'd sit and, and they were their songs for, you know, her story. So we just talk. Usually Michelle and I, when we did our songwriting sessions, we would just get together and talk. Um, and I'd come up with, you know, you'd come up with something. Um, and eventually we ended up writing a whole album of songs and the, and it's amazing. We wrote a song. There's actually an out, a song out right now called he'd do anything for me. But the whole purpose of, of getting her album out is one, she's a teenager who likes to sing and she sings really well, mm-hmm. period. That's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And she doesn't need to be, <laughs> that's it. Full stop. Malia, you've really helped me with this whole thing. <laughs> like, stop. That's it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good enough reason. Podcast, Malia, help me. But, um, but also, what it helps with is there is, a, there is a tremendous need for awareness of the rare disease community and the medical, uh, the needs for, for funding and research to help with curing rare disease because often what I've learned through my own awareness is that is that they kind of tentacle out to help each other right so what that's what we're learning with COVID right all this all this research that's happening with these COVID vaccines and how COVID works it's actually helping the rare community because there's more amplification on medical need research that's that's being done to help improve lives and save lives so, um, so we wrote these songs, and uh, Rare, Rare Day is in February. I think it's February 28th. We're releasing her next song called Rare, Unique, Me. Um, of all the songs on the album, it's one of my favorite, just because um, they're all my favorites in different ways. But mm-hmm. this song made me cry on my way home each time, because, like when we were working on this song, because... Because Michelle, she, she does... She looks different. We all look different, yeah. you know? But she's, she's like... It's like, this is who I am, you know? And so there's a, there's a part in that song, this is who I am naturally, you know? Mm-hmm. And powerful, you know? She's, you know, when I described her, I said she's a smart, you know, she's, she's a smart person. And, mm-hmm. um, and she has a lot to teach the world. And so through her music, not only is she fulfilling some aspect of a life dream, um, being able to create a platform for exposure for like, here I am, I sing and I have a rare disease. And, but also, it gets the conversation momentum going, and it's important. And and the more that we can, you know, 
We can't do everything for everybody, but we can do something for some people. Yep. And that ripple expands. Mm-hmm. So when we're passionate about wanting to help other people, there's no limit to what we can create and, and become. So, um, you know, that's the hope is your, 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 your energetic yes may not be rare disease, but it might, you might be inspired to go, hey, I've been wanting to do this other thing. Now I feel inspired to do it. Great. You yeah. know? Correct. We, we, Correct. I love that. Yeah. Gosh, this has been so much fun talking to you today, Catherine. I just love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we come to a close, we like to ask our guests what their call to action is. And this is perhaps the one thing that people could take away from you. And if you have something that you would like to share, what your call to action is, we would love to hear it. Okay. Well, I feel that um, I want people to know that if you're breathing, it's not too late. So if we are here, if you are here, it's not too late to do, to say, to be. Fill in the blank for yourself. I, I launched that. myself into the music industry at the age of 40. Who does that? <laughs> Catherine the Grape does. You do. I did, right? <laughs> because I'm not trying to be the next, you know, I'm not trying to be famous. Of course I want Catherine the Grape to be known all throughout the world. But not because I have a desire to be famous, but because I have tools that help people love themselves and other mm. people more, period. That is why the ripple effect of Catherine the Great of, of mindful messages needs to get out into the world. That's the energy that I uphold. But if you can learn, whether you like what I do, whether you, I would love for people to download my music, stream mm-hmm. my music, watch my videos, expose people to what I create. Of course I want to, I want that. But let's say, take that off the table. And if I could provide you with anything is whatever is stirring within you, do it. Say it, be it, and you know what it is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> Catherine, this is. Fred, been... are you okay over there? <laughs> no, 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 because it's, uh, I, we're going to connect because, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of stuff. It's um, okay to cry, Fred. It's okay to cry. Yeah, I can even get you into the video. <laughs> I know. Uh, oh no! Well, if you play some movies that my kids and I talked about, then then I'll cry. <laughs> you know, just a, just a couple on that is I, I have to tell you that that is what I experience most with people who are in who are adults, right? Oftentimes in our adulthood, we we're doing a lot, right? We have responsibilities. We have life responsibilities. Yeah. And we feel, and we might not feel the vibrancy that we, or that we have the vitality or that we have the spark or the passion, but we do. It's there. Right. We just have to allow ourselves to uncover that again for ourselves. So for me, bringing Catherine the Grape to life brought me back to life as a vibrant, childlike joyful human being like I have this big energy 
I've always had this big energy, but for many years I suppressed it in a way, right? And I love singing and dancing, so I do that with kids and adults. And so whatever your passion is, whatever makes you feel alive, like it's a, I teach this in the books too. It's a simple equation to live your purpose. Do what you love to do and help other people is living your purpose, mm-hmm. period. That's it. It doesn't have to be exposed to the world. It can be the biggest platform. It could be, it could be just to, the, to your neighbor next door. Do what you love to do. Help other people. You're living your purpose. Yeah. Amazing. Catherine, thank you so much for your time today. This has been so much fun and I can't wait to publish this and let the world know that <laughs> you're awesome. So really thanks appreciate for, it. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so mm-hmm. glad social media works. It's not like I have this like marketing budget. So I'm always like, right, that's you right. know, like, I mean, but Fred, thank you for reaching out, Malia. I'm so, yeah. I'm so thankful that you two agreed to have me on the show. It's, it's yeah. helpful for me to have platforms like this, to be able to just talk and mm-hmm. Yeah. share so thank and, you so much and yeah. I I received from this more than I probably gave so thank you appreciate that thanks and have a great day okay. you too bye thanks bye mm-hmm.